0: Hey, welcome back, or welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on this Free for All Friday. And it has been a Free for All Friday as I've been talking about the Great Reset and the World Economic Forum, and been talking about the Antichrist, and talking about Dr. Arnold Fruchtenbaum's, um, well, suggestions about the series of events that lead up, if you will, and the in the consummation of all things. And a few days ago, I think I reported to you that um, our friends at Babylon Bee have been banned from Twitter. We did have the privilege of having the editor of the Babylon Bee on this program. And many of you know that Babylon Bee, BabylonB.com, is a Christian satire site. And, of course, they have made news. Now posted at their site is this. Not making it up. It says not a good sign. Average gas price in California now is six dollars and sixty six cents. Average gas price in California six six six. And of course Babylon B is also reporting Adam, confused by new creature God put in the garden, as he is not a biologist. And, of course, our friends are making fun of the Supreme Court nominee's um, statement about what is a woman. And she made the statement um, that she wasn't going to answer, that she's not a biologist. And so the Babylon Bee is reporting... Keep in mind, it's a satire site. The Babylon bees is reporting this, Dateline Eden. According to sources, the creator decided it's not good for man to be alone and has created a beautiful helper and companion for him, formed from a rib, taken from the first man, Adam. Unfortunately, Adam isn't sure what to call this exquisite, wonderful creature. As he's not a biologist. (laughs) Quote, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, began Adam. She shall be called, mm, gosh, really can't say. I'm no scientist here, unquote. He then stammered and stuttered for 10 minutes, causing the feminine-looking bipedal humanoid creature to roll its eyes. Ah, Was it something I said, Adam said, scratching his head? I don't know what this creature, who looks very much like me, except better in every conceivable way, identifies as, uh uh-oh, if there's only a peer-reviewed biologist or gender studies professor who could make this clear to me, unquote. The first man was going to give his wife a name but failed to come up with one as he wasn't sure of her gender. He decided it would be a bit patriarchal to give this perfectly lovely creation a name instead of letting itself identify. At the time of the printing, Adam is now hanging out alone with his pet parrot, and a feminine-looking creature has wandered off and made friends with a snake. More on this later. 303-873-1935. Yeah, what's not to love about the Babylon Bee? And, um... <laughs> oh, it is just such a fun place to be in the midst of so much difficulty. Now, They've also um, pointed out <laughs> the, this from the Babylon Bee. It says, with World War III on the horizon, liberals starting to cozy up with their gun-toting MAGA neighbors. <laughs> They're holding up a sign that used to say Earth. Life Matters. They crossed out Earth and put Trump's Life Matters. 303 873 1935. That's the number. If you want to join me on the program. And um, yeah, Jim, we need to get our friends at Babylon B back on. I can't I can't even say this article because it's not appropriate for my family-friendly audience. 303-873-1935. I have open lines. And by the way, if you've ever, ever wanted to call in, now would be a great time. 303-873-1935. Just a couple of other uh, quick updates for you on the news. Many of you realize that Justice Clarence Thomas has been released from the hospital and long on Europe's fringe. Poland has now taken stage as center stage as the war rages in Ukraine. Some people are suggesting that Poland be nominated and receive the Nobel Peace Prize for its work with the fleeing refugees from Ukraine and um, so it looks more and more like Judge Katanji Brown will um, succeed in her confirmation process. So we'll have more on that when we get it. 303-873. Nineteen thirty-five, <laughs> and again, I'm not making this up. Jim, did you see the headline? That uh, this was in headline USA. It says, "Quote: Transphobic Ukraine orders biological male woman, a man who identifies as a woman." to fight instead of flee this by Joshua Palladino. It's it's at a uh, headline It says Ukrainian border guards undress you and touch you. A Ukrainian man who identified as a transgender woman tried to cross the Polish border in violation of an order from the Ukrainian government that requires all able-bodied men to serve in the Russo Ukrainian war but border guards forced him to stay and fight. It says martial law says all males are obliged to serve in the military so that they can't leave the country. This from um, a Ukrainian transgender activist. The person said that border guards refused to accept his birth certificate, which falsely labels him as a female. And then they examined this particular person and discovered that he is in fact a man and that he must fight against Russia. The guards reportedly told him, you're a guy. So you're going to fight. And uh, Poland has obviously accepted Ukrainian women and children. And it's interesting that I want to say, is it half now? Or is it um, a third of all Ukrainian children have been displaced by the war? I think I'll have an update on that when we come back. 303-873-1935. My friend, Dr. Jim Dennison, has written about it. I'll have more. 303-873-1935. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages. 303-873-1935. 303-873-1935. That's my number on this free-for-all Friday. And because it is a free-for-all Friday, let's see who's up. Is it Lita? Did I say your name right? Lita in Aurora? Yes. Hi. Hi.
1: Hi. Thank you for taking my call.
0: You are welcome.
1: You know, in Ecclesiastes 3, it does say there is a time for war. And I pointed that out to a Jehovah's Witness once. He said there is never a time for war. And I said, I can show you where it says there is. But, but Ecclesiastes 3, King Solomon didn't uh, elaborate. I would think that maybe the time for war would be when you're defending an oppressed someone who is oppressed because now i read i'm reading through the bible for the sixth time because i'm blessed with with time not much money but lots of time (laughs) (laughs) and and i have never read anywhere where god or jesus or the holy spirit or king solomon or anybody says stand up for thy rights don't let anyone push you around. It never says
0: that. You know, it does say that God orders the Israelites to go to war with other nations. Um, if you look in First Samuel, for instance, in chapter 15, verse 3, the Lord mm-hmm. says, Now go and strike Amal- Am- Amalek and devote to destruction all that they have. Don't spare them kill the men, the women, the children, the infants, the ox, the sheep, the camels, and the do- donkeys. And, and so, so people...
1: Didn't do it. And, and so...
0: Yeah, in other words, they did it in an incomplete way. In Joshua 4.13, it says about 40,000 ready for war passed over before the Lord for battle on the plains of Jericho. So if you read the Bible, there are times when it's appropriate to go to war. But what you just talked about... When is an appropriate time? Well, some people have called this the just war theory. Um, What is, uh, you know, what constitutes a just war? And obviously when the Lord himself says, you know what? You're going to have to engage in battle. And also I wish I could say to you that the coming of Jesus is going to be peaceful but it's not Lita in revelation 19 verses 11 through 21. It describes the ultimate war with Christ, the conquering commander who judges, it says, and makes war with justice in verse 11. He makes war with justice. And if you read, you said you've read it six times. If you read revelation 19, you discover it's bloody in verse 13. It's gory. The birds. Well, well,
1: even in Revelation 6, it says, I I don't know if it meant the unbelievers will say to the rocks in the caves, fall in on us to hide us from the wrath of the Lamb.
0: Now, again, I think one of the ways that we all, you know, just like you said with Ecclesiastes 3, there's a time to love, a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace.
1: Any
0: time to kill, any time... To heal, yeah. Yes. So I think one of the ways that, that we think about this is we don't desire war. We don't want war. We understand that war is almost inevitably the result of sin. Um. And And Christians understand that the most important thing that we can do in a time of war is to pray that the leaders uh, have wisdom and we pray for the safety of our military. We pray for a quick resolution to the conflict. We pray for a minimum of casualties. But to your point about your Jehovah Witness friend, you know, obviously what they said is incorrect, that that there's never a time. No, you were correct. There is an appropriate time. Well, I showed it to him. (laughs) I showed it to him. Well, good for you. Well, thank you so much for your call. Well, thank you, and God bless you, and hey, bye Thanks for listening. 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program. Do I have time, Jim? Jay in Colorado Springs, welcome to the program.
2: How are you doing, Pastor? Doing good. Yes, I see that war becomes really a prominent theme in the New Testament. Of course, it's spiritual war, but... Right. Um, a kingdom in conflict, uh, a kingdom of God, suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Correct. Or the Matthew 16, the gates of hell uh, shall not prevail against the church. And so there are many, many passages.
0: Right, um, e- either actually that, actually that actually speak of war or use it metaphorically to make a point.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it becomes very prominent. Um because of the, the the prince of darkness and because of satan and uh you know paul talks about the armor of god and the weapons that we use uh, again we don't war according to the flesh he says in second corinthians i think right. chapter 10 um but with a uh, divinely powered weapons and then he talks about that in first corinthians 4 where he said the kingdom of god is not talk but it's power and so there's always power that's that seems to be attending the preached word, or gospel ministry, or mission missionary work um, uh, to accomplish. Uh, well, actually, I'm thinking of the Old Testament scripture. It's not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, uh, saith the Lord. So when when the kingdom is being established somewhere, or or uh, there's a, the word that's being preached in a new place. Um, and the church is being established in a new place um there's significant opposition right so really i think I think ministry really is opposition <laughs> in a lot of ways, but I had a question about colossians one twenty eight with all the political stuff it seemed that Paul had a real strong priority of um of preaching and 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 admonishing and so I just wanted a little bit maybe you could elucidate a little bit of that verse uh colossians one twenty eight
0: sure I'm turning there, as you can hear my little pages turning, Colossians 128. It says, him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus.
2: Um, 29 29 is his, looks like his... Power his energy
0: to this end, I also labor striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Yeah, the part of the the, the context, obviously, is um, the revelation of the mystery of the church, which was hidden in times past. And so actually, when it says him we preach, that word "warning" is very interesting. It is um, a word that's elsewhere translated admonish. It it's it, it seems to be the word um, um, warning with a view that you should take heed to the warning. Him we preach warning every man, and teaching
2: first like Corinthians ten. I think he reviews history of the Israelites. And he ends it with saying that this, you know, this is a warning that we should not engage in. And then he, num, you know, enumerates a number of things: idolatry and sexual immorality, and on and on. The same type of warning there, kind of that idea.
0: Yeah, I, I think I think it's it's a warning that um, if memory serves me correctly, it's the Greek word Theo, which means it's it's a kind of. An encouragement. It, it it the the emphasis is a warning, but it but it's it's an encouraging warning. And well, it's
2: like the good news of the gospel. Christ is preaching Christ. It's actually good news. Y- he, 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 yes, forgiveness of sins and, and and that we've been reconciled to. But there God. is a
0: cautious so. confrontation. It it, it's, it it there's a kind of. It's confrontational. There's a confrontational sure, the, the element.
2: Warning can, the warning can be for somebody who's in sin or, or right. off.
0: So there's a confrontational element, and he uses that term, every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect or complete in Christ Jesus. The, yeah, the, the implication being the full meal deal. Hey, I got to go, but thanks for your call. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program. The number is 303-873-1935. Let's see who's up. Gail, welcome to the program. Hi, Gino. Hi.
3: So um, I've been listening, or actually I came across and been watching, watching a program called It Is Written on Christian television and on an app. It's on your smart TV and things like that. Anyway, come to discover their Seventh day Adventists. Um, and I've never really been exposed much to Seventh day Adventists. And I'm just curious are they uh, biblically sound in their theology? Uh, do you have any opinion on that?
0: Yeah, I do. And I, I, it is not a ministry that I would recommend. Now, obviously, there's a, a spectrum, if you will, of Seventh day Adventism that goes from the cult like and cult to. A more moderate but the seventh day adventist group was founded by a woman named ellen g white and she has lots and lots of problems she is so she taught that the proper day of worship is saturday hence the name seventh day adventist they believe that jesus is the is michael the archangel that satan bears all of our sins when a person dies he doesn't exist anymore in other words they teach a kind of Annihilationism and that hell isn't eternal. So, in, in order to be fair to our Seventh day Adventist friends, they believe that there is such a thing as punishment, but that hell isn't eternal. And my friend, uh, Dr. Walter Martin, who lived so long ago, said, if there's no such thing as hell, then there's probably no such thing as Satan, because hell was created for Satan and his angels. And if there's no Satan, there's no sin. And if there's no sin, there's no need for a savior. And then that's not even to mention the dietary laws, which many consider to be very, very legalistic but there's several people who have identified with Seventh Day and Adventism who who've who've made some considerable contributions to humanity um, in in medicine and even in nutrition. But from a biblical st- standpoint, they came out of a movement called the Millerites, and the great disappointment. This was there was a false prophet. Um, who predicted that Jesus would return in either 80, 1843 or 1844. His name was William Miller. And Ellen G. White was a follower of Miller. And so she was a 17-year-old teenager who prophesied, and she purportedly had some 2,000 visions in prayer meetings after Miller's disgrace, she married a guy named James White, and they became convinced that you, in order to honor God, you had to keep the Sabbath. And then she had another vision, this one confirming her new belief that Sabbath keeping was to be their primary doctrine, hence Seventh-day Adventism. And then she had more visions, and one of her craziest visions was, was a thing called the scapegoat. Um, And so they consider Seventh-day Adventists consider Ellen G. White the spirit of prophecy. So in Revelation 19, it says, I fell down at the feet to worship him. And he said to me, you shouldn't do that. I'm a fellow servant. Um, For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. They believe that... That is a reference to Ellen G. White's writings. And so, again, to me, the biggest problem, not just um, Jesus being Michael the archangel, but the teaching that Satan is the scapegoat, that he bears believers' sins. They write about it in their book, The Great Controversy. Um, This is the opposite of what the Bible says. It's Jesus who bore our sins first Peter 2:24 he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so seventh day adventism then identifies jesus as as the uh archangel michael um again this is a, a so they wind up denying the identity of jesus the nature of jesus and the redemptive work of jesus Now, again, I want to be clear that Seventh-day Adventism is diverse. Not all SDA, Seventh-day Adventist groups, hold to all of the doctrines that I've just mentioned. But all Seventh-day Adventists seriously think that Ellen G. White is a prophetess. And so their church is full of aberrant doctrine, and I'm going to even go so far as to say heretical doctrine. Doctrine. So, it's and and it's based on what Seventh Day Adventists have. This they they lean towards extra biblical revelation as they're trying to come up with their doctrinal beliefs. So, it's my view that Seventh Day Adventism isn't a group that I would um, recommend.
3: Okay, that's very enlightening. Thank you. I've been watching this. The it is written. Are you familiar with that
0: at all? I don't think so. But I, I there's many, many um, resources that the Seventh Day Adventists have put out that really are interesting information when you're talking about science um, and and biblical creationism and and um, other kinds of things. But but I think yeah, they, that that in spite of all of those really helpful and interesting things, there's some real harmful things. My, I have a friend, he's the pastor of a church in, in Phoenix, Arizona. His name is mm-hmm. J. Mark Martin, and he's a former Seventh-day Adventist who became a, uh, a Calvary Chapel pastor. And uh, his church is fairly large. It's over 10,000 people. But he... Um, he was deeply entrenched in the Seventh-day Adventist movement and came out of it. So I would also recommend if you go to, um, like YouTube or his website, which is, uh, Calvary Community Church, he has some wonderful resources to help people think about Seventh-day Adventism. Oh, great. Yeah. Maybe I'll
3: check that out. I just, yeah, I mean, I learned more about the Reformation watching their program than I've ever been taught anywhere. And I was like, <laughs> and they're on like Christian rate, they're on Christian TV, like TBN. Uh-huh. If you watch any of the pa- uh, te- teachers or pastors or any programs on Christian television? I know they all get
0: well. Bad rap. Again, there's cer not all of them get a bad rap. I I think my friend um, Greg Laurie is on there from time to time. David Jeremiah is very good um yeah, but again you know i i don't want to do guilt by association however there are several ministries that are problematic and so there's good reason why you know we should test the spirits to see whether they're, they're uh, of God. And, and we should also remember why the Bible gives us so many warnings about false teachers and false teaching.
3: Right. Especially when it's so, I mean, it's so close to the light, like you just are listening and they sound exactly like everything you've ever heard before. And you think they're just fine. But then when I found out day of Venice, it's like, that's weird. Everybody thought Seventh-day Adventists were weird. <laughs> when I was growing up, I'm like, what's wrong with them? They decide Saturday and they don't eat meat, you
0: know? Right, right. And if that were the only problem, I would say good on them. But yeah. ag- again, to spot a counterfeit, you have to know the real thing. And right. so in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, <laughs> Paul warns Timothy, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. In other words, they make careful study of the Bible. And so that's the, this is the key division. What does the Bible say about a certain subject and what are they saying? And that's where you have to really be careful. Hey, thank you for your call.
3: Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: This is Gino Geraci, 303-873-1935. Hey, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci, the number 303-873-1935. Let's take some quick calls. Betty in Pueblo, welcome to the program. Hi. Hi. Thank you
4: for taking my call. You're welcome. Uh, so I had a just wanted your opinion on Bill Johnson ministry.
0: Yeah. His ministry is not one that I would recommend.
4: Okay. That's Bill, what I thought that I, I wanted yeah, to confirm. And that.
0: and and the the reason just very quickly is Bill Johnson is the founder and director of Bethel Church. And right. Bethel Church um I'm going to suggest to you in, are involved in a number of different things that are clearly unbiblical. And I'm going to use the term spiritually dangerous. And of course, um, they embrace what's called the new apostolic reformation, word of faith, teaching, prosperity, gospel, dominionism, grave sucking. Now, grave sucking is this idea that you can lay on a person who's dead, dead's grave, and get their ministry power. And they've also been involved in a number of different weird stuff, like glory clouds, gold dust, angel feathers. But the biggest, biggest problem is Bill Johnson, who was influenced by John Wimber, who I knew, and the false teachers of the Toronto Blessing. And so at Bethel, they have healing, deliverance churches that they cite as evidence for their ministry. But again, theirs is a ministry that I cannot recommend, and I would encourage you to go to our our website. Go to Got Questions, Your Questions, Biblical Answers. Go to Got Questions. Type in what is Bethel Church in Redding, California, and there's a fairly long article that we've written and posted that I think you're going to find very, very interesting. But also these other issues that i've just talked about the new apostolic reformation the word of faith prosperity gospel all of these things should be red flags to you
4: yeah so how would you address somebody in your church that might be teaching this to lots of people
0: well um i You've would been say- a
4: ministry leader for some time and I've been. I have been told by our church leaders that she's kind of grandfathered in, and what she brings in. And I, I sent an article basically spelling out what you just said about this ministry. And right. And they did take it, like uh, her her groups off of our website and that. But they they seem to be well, yeah, and I, yeah, about and I, addressing it with her.
0: Well, and I would say you know what you can't grandfather in false teachers and false teaching. Um, and she's
4: a, she's a good friend of mine. So how, if you were me, how would you address that with her? Here, like here, I was under her leadership. For here's some here's time. how
0: I would say, I would say Bill Johnson's teachings are misguided and imbalanced. And okay. because they're misguided and imbalanced, it's important for us to Get the balance. Romans 16, 17, I urge you, brothers and sisters, watch out for those who put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching that you've learned. Keep away from them. So what is the teaching that you've learned about balance, Bible, the the, the very main and plain things of the gospel, what it means to be born again? what it means to have a right relationship with God. See, what they do is they criticize Christians like you or me who say, you know what? You rely too much on the Bible. You rely more on the Bible than the Holy Spirit. And I would say the Bible was written by the Holy Spirit. The Bible was written by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit isn't going to ask us to do something that is inconsistent with his character and revelation. And then, again, I would encourage you, go to gotquestions.org and um, read the article. I think it's going to give you some some insight on how to go forward. Okay?
4: okay? Okay, great.
0: Thank you so much. Hey, thank you. 303-873-1935. Let's see who's up. Randall, welcome to the program.
5: Hey there, Gino. Hey. Just calling in. I don't know how, you know... Everybody and I'm I'm probably a, you know in a, in a, on an average type person I'm probably ranking a top ten percent of people who try to evangelize. What absolutely amazes me is the number of people who claim to be Christians that you get to trying to talk to about the truth of the Bible. They want you to believe the way that they're approaching that everybody has their own relationship with God, which is true in some degree. I understand all that, but. It just absolutely amazes me how many people I offend who claim to be Christians, and you're talking to them about the gay and lesbian lifestyle, or and I don't know what you know. I it, I wanted to ask you about female pastors too. Uh-huh. It seemed like uh, uh, I can't remember what denomination you are associated with. Is it President? I'm, Calv-
0: I'm a Calvary Chapel pastor.
5: Calvary Chapel. So what? So like say. to to many of those things, many of those subject matters where it's so clearly addressed in the Bible and and just trying to evangelize and having a conversation with people. And I've always been a straight up front guy. So it's just, I I had one lady in our adult Sunday school class who we got talking about Catholicism and things in the adult Sunday school class. And I don't know whether it was that or something else. She, She never would discuss exactly what she goes. You're fixed on the fact that this is a matter of fact, what you're talking about. And I'm not so clear. And so but it just amazes me, because I've asked my pastor and stuff, who sits in the classes with me, I said, have I discussed anything that you think is in the in a gray area? And so, I don't know, I love everybody, and what I try to start out with any time, particularly when I'm addressing somebody that I don't know, is first of all, can do you know that I love you? I never want to hurt your feelings about anything before we discuss what I'm about to discuss. And so that. It's, it's someplace where they're un, unbiblical, and, and, and if I, I love to be challenged on the fact that if I'm incorrect in my assessment, please come back. So do you have that same kind of difficulty?
0: Well, I do, but the, the way that I would try to differentiate is I would say, look, there are things that are disputable, you know, that, that pe- different people have different views, But then there are things that the Bible addresses rather clearly. Now, we we understand that there are people who have different views on a number of different things. Now, the Bible deals with two kinds of things, things that are essential and things that are questionable. And so when you're talking about—and it's clear that different people have different views on women in ministry— but again, in my view, is that 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, that, that it has to mean something. It can't mean nothing. So when Paul writes to Timothy and he says, Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain silent. We have to ask and answer the question, What, when Paul is writing those words to Timothy, what does he mean by that? And how would Timothy have interpreted that? Because we know that Paul isn't suggesting that women can't ever teach because some people have the spiritual gift of teaching. Elsewhere, he talks about women teaching women and other children. What I'm going to suggest to you is that he is making a prohibition that restricts women from occupying the office of the ruling elder. In other words, there's a reason why historically Jesus picks 12 disciples. They're men. No, There were no ruling elders in the first century who were women. And so what exactly is Paul doing? And is Jesus just saying uh, that... That men are going to occupy the office of apostle because he is a victim of his cultural, um, world. No, I, and, and, and again, in first Timothy, it talks about, again, the person who's occupying the, the, the office of the ruling elder is a husband with, with one, with one wife, not a wife with one husband. So there's a lot of different ways of thinking about this. And, um, yeah. Again, it sounds like you're on the right track. Okay. You speak well, the truth in love. <laughs> I <laughs> do. I think
5: I, my my sometimes doesn't come off in love, so maybe that's where I need to work right. thank
0: you. I, I gotta go.